What is fasting? Why should we fast? How important is fasting to the growth of a Christian? How does fasting develop a deeper relationship with God? Chris and Murdoch tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome back to another episode of Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we are moving on with the Sermon on the Mount and just the the the, the Sermon on the Mount in itself. I, I really enjoyed going through everything the way we have, especially because looking at it like the Sermon on the Mount is just just Jesus coming at us and saying it's time to be kingdom people. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to get rid of your anger, get rid of your lust, stop breaking your oath, pray correctly. Don't be like the religious hypocrites who just do things for attention. And we'll get a little more into that today. Uh, but now we're getting into this topic of fasting. So I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let you start us off with fasting. Right. And I like how you're talking about being a kingdom people, because at the end of his life, Jesus says, hey, my kingdom's not of this world. You know, my kingdom's of a different place. And I think that that's important for us when Jesus is giving this teaching and laying it out, like you said, that it's a kingdom teaching, because it's really teaching us who are people who only know of the things of this world, how to operate within his kingdom. So definitely we're getting in fasting today, which is Matthew 6, what is it? Nope, not 19, 16 through 18. So really we're just taking those three verses, right? And here we really get that Jesus was a fitness buff, right? So he's coming in (laughs) intermittent fasting. We're doing this thing. He was ahead of the curve. Here we are in 2020 and, you know, all of our CrossFitters are finally catching up with what Jesus was talking about. The intermediate, intermittent, intermittent fasting. Yeah. And we call that, I just don't eat breakfast, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's I skip breakfast and lunch and just have dinner. Yeah. No, but when we're looking at fasting, there's all kinds of, honestly, to me, this is one of the things within Christianity that is probably one of the least known and practiced commands, you know, to kind of put it that way. There's probably others that would be contending for that title because it's like, oh, what's the mystery behind fasting and what happens? And even we were talking about it, like, well, how would we describe fasting? Like, literally, fasting is to abstain from food. (laughs) So simple. Yeah. You know how like when you wake up and you have breakfast, but you actually break fast because you haven't eaten all night since your last meal. So you're breaking the fast Ah, okay. because you weren't eating. You're abstaining from food. So pretty simply, that is fasting in a nutshell. You're abstaining from food. Now when we get to how that's practiced throughout the Bible, there's a lot of different examples and ways that people go about it, ranging from, let's say the Apostle Paul, when he gets stricken with blindness, says that he didn't eat or drink for three days and that's really pushing the limits of a human body to go without liquid for three days now your body can go without food for a lot longer and jesus did that for 40 days right and who else did 40 days like you had a list moses Um, moses did the 40 days before yeah moses and elijah moses did it before uh getting the commandments from god or while he was up there receiving the commandments and then elijah did it also yeah also on the mountain with god mount oreb i believe We just went through Elijah, so yeah, we should know that one. So you've got those to abstain from that. You have what's called the Daniel fast to where it's only abstaining from certain foods. You have the traditional Jewish fast that would just be from sunup to sundown. And then those correspond with different days throughout the year. So there's a lot of different types of fasts. There's not really one fast like, oh, this is specifically what you do to fast. Although it's abstaining from at least food or a certain type of food. Uh, for a certain amount of time. Then we kind of get into this idea that's probably more popular in Christianity today, which is the Lent type of a fast. So 
really coming about. So Lent leading up to Easter and you've got those days and a lot of people go, oh, well, I'm going to give up, I don't know, social media for those days to, so they can really focus on God. Or I'm going to give up, you know, whatever the thing is mm-hmm. that you feel like this is taking too much of my attention. And I'm going to give that up to focus on God. And so it's like, yeah, for as much as possible, we should do that. And then I also come back around a lot of times. Like, so why are you going to pick back up that thing that was distracting right. you from God? Like, oh, I, I did it for a while. Now I want to go back to, to my thing, which, you know, sometimes it's out of necessity. But other times it's, no, just leave, leave that app uninstalled. You don't need it. And while I do think that there's a great benefit to that kind of a fast, very specifically biblically is abstaining from food. So... I don't think that we should get into the mode of, oh, well, I, I fast all the time because I just give up these other random things. Like, well, it's also looking at giving up food to where then the uproar is, well, I've got I've got medical conditions. I've mm-hmm. got this or I've got that. Do we need to put a disclaimer on this episode that medical advice isn't something that we're doing? Yeah, we're not we're not professionals in that area. So don't take any medical advice from me or <laughs> yeah. I liked how you brought that up, though, that we're uh, abstaining from things like the Lent thing. It's so much easier for us to give up things. I could give up money, I could give up time, I could give up resources, I could give up an app, I could give up TV, I could give up music, I could give up all these things, right? But when it comes to food, there is almost a reluctancy to give up my food. I'm not going to give up my food. And I even thought of, as we're going through Philippians, with the five minutes with your church friends, uh, I think you're going to cover it in the video today, but the their stomach is their, their something or whatever, but basically their destruction, right? That their stomach and is the destruction when it talks about people who've, who are diff going, living differently. But it's so hard for us sometimes to really just say, I'm not going to give up food. I'm going to stop eating for a day. At least personally speaking for myself, I know that there's, there is a real fight with like, oh, I can't eat. That's, that's, you're, I'll give you money, God. Yeah, you want that? I'll give you my time, but you want to take away my food? How American of us. Right? That, that's to kind skip of a, a meal. Meanwhile, so many places in the world have been like, wait. Actually, I'm going to flip through real quick because I wanted to pull up that verse because it's, I don't think I did it justice in what I was saying. Um, I'm sitting here like, oh, is that really what I'm doing the video on today? <laughs> then that's going to confuse everybody listening because our podcasts and our videos get dripped out at different times. So it says, uh, for as I have often told you before, and now even again with many tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. So that's kind of what I wanted to get to is that point. And it's kind of crazy that we never really look at that, those verses as like the God being our stomach, right? As physically being our stomach. But uh, when you look at it, like, yeah, sometimes our, the gluttony of eating can be our God in, in our stomach. It kind of as we're talking about this, it recalls when Jesus and his disciples, right, they're sitting outside the temple mm-hmm. and they're just watching because they had these huge containers where people would come and give their tithes and their offerings, right? And they were dropping coins in these metal containers. It's all loud. So you'd have people coming and just dropping it in and everybody could hear it. Clang, 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 clang. And then you had this little old widow who walked up who had literally like kind of the title that they put into the scripture is the widow's might she had just like a might being a very small like insignificant amount of money a coin and she goes and puts that in and jesus is using this as a teaching moment saying you know who gave more there and talking about the all the pharisees came in and gave out of their excess but she gave everything that she had like she had nothing and she put that in and gave it to god and in trusting and hoping that god was gonna you know see that and take care of her and i feel like at times that can be how it is with fasting right we can give up all of our excess, yeah. but to really give the sustenance that we live on, that we're dependent on, you know, hey, if you don't eat for a while, yeah, you're, you know, 
Uh, eventually, I, I like that in the Bible when Jesus fasts for the 40 days out in the wilderness, because then he fasted for 40 days and he became hungry. Like, well, that's an understatement. <laughs> you get into the original language and that hungry is like really on the amount that your body would actually be eating itself. Like you're starting to eat on the muscles to, you know, find the sustenance to stay alive. Because at that point, it's like, do you want to live or have muscles? And it's like, okay, we're going to live. But yeah, to really give up what it is that you depend on. Right. So... I really do think, though, when what we're gonna, what I want to focus in more on today, like, yeah, we could talk about giving up the things, but focusing more on like giving up of the food, and that because I really do think for us, like you said, an American kind of culture or Western kind of church culture, is that that practice of depriving ourselves of food has really kind of, it's not as important or not a thing that we push anymore. But it's crazy because when Jesus starts this off, right, he says. When you fast, not if, not if, when you fast. So Jesus is assuming that if you're a follower of him or going to be a follower of him, you're going to fast and not in the way of like, like Jesus wasn't saying like, hey, when you give up your app that you really spend a lot of time on, he, he was using the term fast, you know, that giving up, depriving yourself of food. And it's crazy to me because the, the, in scripture, the referencing of fasting is around 77 to 78 times. And just to put it in the context, the Bible mentions baptism 75 times. So baptism, something that we all practice, that we teach, you got to get baptized, is there 75 times. But fasting, something that kind of gets not really brought up a lot about or talked about, is mentioned just as much. And so that, again, when you fast, it's this idea of when you do it. And like you said, I have a list of people who have fasted. I got Moses before receiving the commandments. That's in Deuteronomy. I've got David when he fasted for his child that was sick, and that's in Second Psalms. Ezra fasted while mourning over uh, the sins, the nation. Esther for the safety of the Jews. Darius for the safety of Daniel. Daniel for an answer just to a prayer, like just to get an answer for a prayer. We talked about Jesus, and then we talked about Paul. So there's a list throughout the Bible. Of, yeah, followers of Christ, and even Darius, who isn't a follower of Christ, but had a relationship with Daniel, did it for the safety of someone else, you know, so it's a thing that we should be doing and practicing. I'm going to take a quick edit. You said the book of Second Psalms. I'm assuming you meant Second Samuel. Samuel. Yep, yeah. that's the one. I'm not sure if it picked up my little snicker under, <laughs> under my breath when you did it, but before people, you're like... No, go go find the book of Second Psalms. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> hey, if it'll get you to dig into your Bible more, if it actually read stuff along the way, read, first read First Psalms and then you can find yeah. Second Psalms, yeah. But even outside of that list that you gave, there is a whole lot more examples of people fasting. I mean, literally, if you get into the story of Jonah and he comes and he brings a story or he brings this message from God to the people of Nineveh saying, hey, the way that you're living, destruction is coming upon you. You are so wicked that God cannot be patient any longer in his in his loving kindness, hoping that you would repent. You know what? The day is coming that mm -hmm. judgment is going to fall upon you. And they actually took the word of the prophet seriously, and they fasted. I mean, it straight up says from the king. I think I even think that it says that the cows were yeah, fasting. the animals. Yeah, so you gave very individualized things, but right there, the whole nation of Nineveh fasted. So mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, these individuals at certain points. No, it was, a, it was a big practice, you know, throughout the Old Testament coming into the New Testament, that it was a regular thing that was happening Definitely, there's these standout things to where I am really searching for an answer or whatever. But yeah, it was a regular occurrence. So we get into all that. So that's kind of our intro to fasting. 
And now let's pick up with, with what uh, Jesus has here. So I'll read the verses. Hopefully I can do it without messing up any of it. And not in Second Matthew. We'll look at First Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one Matthew, by the way. Chapter 6, verse 16, it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Getting into this, Jesus, like we already talked about, says when you fast. So like, hey, if you're a Christian, fasting needs to be a part of your life. And even for myself, I would say, man, it's been a while since I've fasted in a true sense of fasting. Going through this, there's been a lot of conviction, even in myself, like just looking at the whole Sermon in the Mountain in general of what we've covered so far. I'm like, man, my prayer life sucks. I get angry a lot. That's, that's not good. My fasting life isn't great. Sometimes, yeah, I could do things for the show. Am I the salt? Am I the light in this world? I don't, I, I think I would go beyond eye for an eye if things really happen in a way that would impact me deeply in my life. Like if someone hurt my family, like I would go crazy, you know, that's just something about me. But God, like we were talking about earlier, just the Sermon on the Mount is just changing all that. So for me, fasting, it's been convicting. And then when we get into this, he just starts off, when you fast, don't look like, don't look somber. Don't look like this. Don't disfigure yourself. And the idea that I got here is that uh, they were masking or controlling their face in some manner. Calvin kind of puts it this way. They were playing the gallery. So in a sense, he's basically, they turned the act of fasting, this act of drawing closer to God, having a relationship with him into a performance, into a theatrical performance to just draw attention to themselves. Yeah. It's like, if you want to show other people how Christian you are, and it's about other people recognizing, and it's not about God recognizing how much you desire a relationship with him, then yeah, he says, you already got your reward. Cool. Other people noticed that mm-hmm. you didn't do that for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I want to bring up, because in that little list that you were saying, you said throughout the, the Sermon Amount that we've covered so far, the, the salt and the light, right? And he goes, let your light shine before men. So it's an interesting thing that I hadn't thought about till you said it, that we are to let the goodness and the love of God shine through us in a visible way to others, that they can see certain things, but yet we're also shown on this side that some things are just to be done in secret because it's between you and God. And it talks about, you know, giving to the poor and in fasting and and things like that, that uh, yes, let your love be shown to men, let them know that it's because of God acting in your life and to be able to do that. But here we also see kind of the the guidelines to things as well, that when it's coming to fasting, this is a thing between you and God. I like how he says, hey, go wash off your face, put oil on it, you know, put some gel in your hair, make yourself look presentable, mm-hmm. you know, go about that nobody would know that you're doing it because you're not doing it for anybody else. Right. I really like that too. I, I have somewhere in my other side of the notes, but kind of the idea, the same thing in the secret place. I, the most important part uh, here it is the most important part of the Christian's life is the part that only God sees. Uh, that's where we cultivate a heart after him. It's in the secret place that we build character that's more important than our reputation. I, I really firmly agree with that, that yes, there's things that we do that outwardly we show love, we show compassion, we reflect Christ and his actions and his deeds. But these things where God is working on us, like fasting, you know, that's the secret places. That's where he's cultivating our hearts. When no one is looking, can you give to the needy? Can you give to someone who's in need? When no one 
is watching can you not lust after things when when the world isn't seeing you and it's just between you and God can you can you still be that person who's everyone thinks is a, a good person outwardly and, and that's where he's checking at right it's going beyond like this outward show because that was the Pharisees they did the outward show they did this they did that when they fasted they they made themselves look all sad and miserable because to them the idea of the more miserable I look the more spiritual I was but Jesus is saying no this isn't that lifestyle that's between me and you. That's where I'm cultivating something in you. So let's keep that there. Go out, wash your face, and do all that stuff. And you can see kind of where the Pharisees would get that as you get into looking at fasting in the Old Testament. Because mm-hmm. like Nineveh, right? They're like, oh, destruction's coming upon us. We, man, we're so distraught about this that we're not even going to be able to eat. You know, it says that they put on sackcloth and ashes. It's just like, we're not trying to look fancy. We're not trying to whatever, like destruction is coming upon us. Like, let's become humble in this situation and really seek out God, like from a point of humility of just, you know, coming from that. Or you brought up David and just in different situations to where you're so distraught that, you know, you're fasting. You're saying, I can't even eat right now, God. I'm just seeking you to where there's a lot of moments where, yeah, it is somber and you're seeking for that. So it's almost like the Pharisees caught on to that and they're like, oh, that's what this is about. You know, we need to show how distraught we are. Mm -hmm. And it became about that show to which I would probably echo Jesus's words at another point to the Pharisees where he says, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You look all clean and everything from the outside, but on the inside, you're just dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I really did like all that. And, And what Jesus said, and again, like, if you want to be followers of me, see, this is how they act. Don't do that. Because it was for gain of, of a reputation. It was just for people to see it. And the the hard part about that truth is that that, like you said earlier, that was the reward. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's all they got. And instead of developing a great relationship with God, instead of getting your feet deeper in with him or seeing him do something miraculous in your life, your reward was just other people thought you were spiritual. And today, I feel like this is such a hard thing. Well, for two reasons. It's a hard thing because nobody fasts. Yeah. Hardly, you know. But then, too, our culture is such a culture of more visibility, more likes, more presence, more influence, more all of that, to where our minds are geared towards the more people that see something, the more people that click the like button and do that, like the better I'm doing at it, you know. It is so much about receiving the praise from men that that's where the culture is at. So again, this kingdom culture that we're looking at, we're like, no, 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 no. The things that are most important, you do in secret. And that shows how important it is to you that you know that, hey, God, I'm doing this for nobody else except for you. So it really goes against, you know, a lot of what the world would teach us about how to go about things. Yeah, I look at it too. It goes beyond simply just giving up something. And I like how you're talking about like the natural sustenance of things. Like that's our body needs food. And so it starts, can you give it up to the point of like it starts turning on itself? But it goes into, uh, you just kind of mentioned it, the idea of devoting ourselves to God and to worshiping him. Like fasting is kind of, it is a worship to God. And I think you have some verses in Isaiah, but I've got some in Zechariah where it says, The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask the people of the land and the priest, when you fasted and mourned for in the seventh and, or fifth and seventh month of the 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? And Man, that's such a hard challenge because Jesus is saying like, yeah, you could give up stuff, but if it's got nothing to do with me, then it doesn't matter why you're doing it. It's just, it's pointless. Like you could do all this stuff, but if it's not for me, then why are you doing it? I think even we talked about the Pharisees, they fasted twice a week. Like they gave up twice a week. 
and they did this. And, and the purpose, of course, was it just seemed like they were trying to win the praise of men. And as a result, they lost that blessing from God. Yeah, and looking at that blessing from God and what God is looking for in fasting. Again, this is a big topic because it does cover so much that even in these situations that we're bringing up, you know, it, it's broad. The fasting in different situations is for different reasons. But you brought up in Zechariah and in Isaiah when it's talking about the fasting there. I'm going to just paraphrase this, so go and read it for yourself. It's Isaiah 58. But basically, it's God speaking and saying, hey, you guys are fasting and you're wondering, how come God isn't hearing us? Here we are, we're in sackcloth and ashes and we're not eating and we're throwing up our, our praises and our worship to him. And, you know, what is it that's going on here? He won't hear us. And God goes, you, you think that that's what I'm looking for, for you guys to just be so sad and like that you're putting on a show for me. But meanwhile, like you're just living wickedly, mm -hmm. like you're oppressing people and you're, you're treating your, your employees poorly and all that. Because isn't the fast that I'm looking for is picking up in verse 6 in Isaiah 58. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from the relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will heal quickly. And your goodliness, or your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. So again, even at this thing, I was just like, well, I'm going to fast and really seek God. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Is he calling you to an obedience that you're just living in disobedience? Because don't think that if you like just go and fast and give up food, it's like that doesn't erase the disobedience, you know? I think we covered a lot here. We're getting towards that commercial time, and then we'll kick back in a little bit more on like the next half of these verses. So let's go to our commercial. I think the telethon continues, and we'll hear what Hip and Crit have to say for what they're raising money for. Let's welcome back your hosts, Hippa and Crit. Hippa? Look at all that money we raised tonight. Aren't we just the best? Hippa? Hippa, where are you? I crit. I'm right here. What's wrong with your face? It looks all disfigured. I care so much about our wonderful charity to help us look good as we give to the needy organization that I decided to fast for us to raise all the money needed. Fasting? See... That's how I know you're much more spiritual than I am. Bravo to you for coming out here and letting us all know that you're fasting for this amazing cause. Everyone, let's get HIPAA a round of applause. Your praise is all I can ask for and definitely all the reward I need. You know, I say you can tell how spiritual someone is by how miserable they look. That's right. Well, as HIPAA keeps fasting, let me remind you, the audience, that you can call 1-800-555-GIVE or Venmo us at HIPAA and Crit Looks Good 5. With a simple donation as small as $1,000, we're able to get together food supplies, clothing, and other necessities. But the most important part is the card within the package that says, From HIPAA, Crit, and Friends. So give now and give generously.
Hey Casey, what are you doing? Hi Remy, I'm just looking for a new podcast to listen to. All the ones I listen to now are pretty boring. There's this new podcast out called Your Church Friends. It's pretty interesting and sometimes funny. I think I heard about that podcast from someone else who said it was good. I think I'm going to check it out. You should, and if you like the podcast, you can also get their website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It has all their old episodes on there, plus a link to their shop where you can buy their cool t-shirts for a reasonable price. Wait, are these the same guys who do the 5 Minutes with Your Church Friends videos on YouTube? Yes. Oh good, I'm a subscriber to the channel and already really enjoy those videos. I always make sure to like them, leave a comment, and share them with my friends. Me too. Are you also part of their social media accounts, like the Facebook group page? No, but I see the website has a link to that as well. Do you know why it's your church friends that rocks? Yeah, it's because they rocks. All right, so we are back, and if you want to, you can give to Hippa and Crit. But if that seems questionable, then I highly recommend giving to your local church so that actual good works can be done there. Or if you like what me and Chris are doing, I mean, we've got merch for sale and stuff that you can access through the website, and that'll just help us to keep going with what we're doing here. And yeah, that'd be good. It it reminds me of uh, when your phone rings and it says scam likely. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's hip and crit. Scam likely. I have. Bit my tongue on making a joke on that one. Okay, so getting into this, really looking at the thing of fasting. For me, a personal experience with fasting, it ties into some scripture that I'm going to put here, but I guess I'll go with the scripture first. I'm going to paraphrase the, the first part of it. Basically, Jesus is out. He's got his disciples, and there's a crowd, and a man reached, like a man came up to Jesus, knelt down before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's having seizures. He's suffering severely. He, like, keeps falling into a fire because I tried to bring my son to your disciples and they couldn't help him, but I'm hoping that you can help him. And, you know, Jesus has a little back and forth there, but then he basically rebuked the demon that was in the boy that was causing him to jump into fires and stuff. The demon went out in Mark, it says, with a shriek and, you know, just everything. And the disciples come to Jesus privately because they had tried to cast out the demons because Jesus had sent the disciples out on, hey, go and heal people and cast out demons. So they'd been able to do this many other times, but for this one in particular, they couldn't do it. And Jesus responds to why couldn't we drive it out? And this is in Matthew 17, 20 and 21. It says, because of your little faith, for I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Kind of the and fasting there will be in brackets because depending on what ancient manuscript you're looking at, some of them include and fasting, some of them don't. Now, in my own personal experience, what whatever um, translation I was reading at the time had included and fasting. And I was at a point in my life, it was when I was new into Christianity and God had done a major work in my life to just really allow me to come out of some really dark places, some really bad you know, habits and addictions, but I still had one thing that I just couldn't beat. And it was just putting me in a real bad spot spiritually and everything else, like just an addiction that had stuck around. And I couldn't, no matter what I was doing, it was just there. And I was a new Christian. I didn't know what I was doing. And I came to this point where it says only some demons will come out by prayer and by fasting. And 
was like, okay, well, I've been praying about it. I've been trying to do different things, but I'm, I'm not, I don't know anything about this fasting. So again, this was my first foray into asking all kinds of different Christians about, hey, do you fast? What do you know about fasting? And everyone that I was asking was saying, no, I don't fast. <laughs> and I was asking people who, you know, some of them were pastors. Some of them were, you know, leaders in different ministries and different stuff. And none of them could give me information on fasting. So me, in my zeal of being a young Christian, just went, okay, well, the thing that I know about fasting is it's abstaining from food. So God, I'm just not going to eat food until you tell me that this thing is gone out of my life. Like, I'll just wait for you to speak to me and to show me. So, and <laughs> talking about hypocrite as far as just putting, putting on a show about your fasting. I'm not trying to do this to be like, oh, look at me. I'm so holy. That's not what I'm doing here. And if all of my reward is just coming from me telling men right now, whatever. You know, I'm not trying to get interested in that. But really, I just, I got a big old jug of water. So I did water only and I would bring it to work and I would just drink water, drink water. And of course, during that time when I'm not eating, I'm getting invited out from coworkers. Hey, we're going to go out for such and such as birthday. Come and eat with us. So I was trying to follow Jesus' instruction. Don't make a show out of your fasting. So I went out and I was there and it was the thing of, hey, man, what are you going to get to eat? I'm, like, I'm not going to get anything. Like, I'm just ordering water. And them being kind people was like, oh, like, do you need me to spot you some money? Like, I'll, you know, I got you. <laughs> like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm just getting water. I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to eat. But that was a process. I think it was somewhere around 34 to 36 days of wow. water. And I'd never fasted before. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, God, you said, you know, by prayer and fasting. So that's what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm fasting. You let me know. And it was at that point, somewhere around 34, 36 days. That, and I wasn't trying to be like, well, I got to make it to 40. As soon as he said, you're free from this thing. The habit's been, you know, you've been freed from it. I went and I ate again. And I didn't know what I was doing, so I went and I, I don't know what I grabbed. I grabbed nachos or in and out or something, and I abused my stomach anyway. So, so that, you know, there's probably better ways of going about it. But yeah, the power of fasting. I was an early Christian, when a young Christian, when I first found the, the power behind that for breaking a sin power in your mm -hmm. life and to really do that. So whereas some people are like, well, that's in brackets. That's not really what God said. Like, I don't know, dude, it worked for me. I was trying the whole prayer thing. I was trying all kinds of other stuff. But when I put fasting in there... It really did make the difference. So say what you want. I have a personal experience that I'm, you know, I lived that thing. And I've actually heard multiple people say the same thing where they had an addiction. There was something in their lives. Uh, one story I heard just recently was a guy who had a drug addiction and fasted the 40 days and 40 nights. And by the end of the 40 days and 40 nights, he had kicked his drug habit and never has touched it again. So it, there is some truth behind it. Uh, I also like that when you brought up the when you're fasting it's really weird that the, the times that I have fasted, they've always been at moments of like, oh, here's a feast going on or a celebration or someone's brought food for you. And you're like, I can't eat right now. What do I say? What do I do? It's almost that like at that moment, it's the mode of being questioned. I don't know if God does it on purpose or if this is anyone else's experience of like when you're fasting and God's and food gets thrown in front of you, you're like, oh, no, I can't eat that. What do I do at this moment? Do I say I'm fasting? Do I say I'm doing this? What do I do? But for me, I've like, oh, I'm not hungry, thank you, type thing. But it's almost that questioning of, are you going to do it for the show or are you going to do it for me? And even with your personal story, right, you, you're in the middle of it, you're like, I'm not saying this so that you guys could think I look good. You got your reward. Your reward was the breaking of that habit, right? So I think when we go into fasting, our, our motives have to be checked and why we're doing it, what's going on with it. Because 
when you looked at what the Pharisees had done it, and maybe some of them had the best intentions. As we consistently look through the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus comes at them, and yeah, there are some who are probably really bad and it was all for the show, but some were trying to follow the letter of the law. Like you said, they looked at David's life and he mourned or people mourned and kind of did that stuff. So they like grabbed onto that one little nugget instead of exploring the whole truth of it. But it's really looking at what, of our, what are our motives behind I'm fasting? What am I trying to gain? Is it just something that's become a ritualistic experience? Because if that's the case, don't do it. And that goes for anything. I think at one point I remember Matt Redmond had his church stop doing worship because worship just became a ritualistic experience. It wasn't an actual act of worship to God anymore. So in this, the why we do it. And for me, I've got like a few things here on it, but really some of the bigger things for me, is just we fast to take our eyes off the things of this world. And so that way we can focus completely on God. I feel like if we're fasting, it has to be to take our eyes off of the things of this world. I can't just fast and say I'm not eating and then spend all day watching TV and at no moment spend any time with God. I I did nothing. I just didn't eat. And honestly, if you fast like that, because you can set like a quote unquote goal for how long you're going to fast. But if you're not actually putting in the spiritual focus on it, if you're just not eating, thinking that that's like the purpose of the fast is just, oh, if I don't eat, then like spiritual things will happen. You will end up breaking that fast. Because the thing that's actually sustaining you, like, right, it's when Jesus is getting tempted in the wilderness, like, hey, you know, you've been, you've been fasting. How about, you know, you turn this bread and you, you eat. There's no man does not survive on bread alone, but on the word of God. So is that we need to find our sustenance in the word of God, like in God, you know, in prayer and, and in the word. That if you're just thinking, oh, I'm not going to eat and I will become more spiritual as in fact, it's like, no, you're, you will get hungry and you will eat. And then you'll feel guilty because you broke your fast and you don't know why. And then you're not spiritual and then guilt sets in and all the stuff is like, and I'm speaking from experience at that right. point. Yeah. So which is why I'm like, you will do this. So like, <laughs> maybe you won't, but that's been my experience every time I fasted from a wrong. And when you're doing it that way too, like for me, even the thought of like, when I'm fasting that way and it's, it's not really an intention to draw closer to God, I'm not even spending time with him. I've noticed in, again, personal experience that I can feel my hunger more. The stomach growls way more than it ever has. And I'm like, man, I've gone longer without food than this. Why is my stomach growling? Why am I focused only on this one thing I can't have? It's because I haven't done the step of stop focusing on the worldly things and focusing on God things. Another one I have is fasting uh, when you want to see God work in a particular situation. And your whole story was that, right? You wanted to see God work in a particular situation in your life. So you fasted, you, you gave up the food and everything and God worked and you saw God do a great thing. Dallas Willard says, uh, fasting confirms our utter dependence upon God by finding in him a source of sustenance beyond food. When we're actually spending time with God, even when we're looking for an answer to a situation, we looked at David was fasting for an answer. Daniel was fasting for an answer in a prayer. We find that he is the source that goes beyond the food and what we need. And it kind of removes the strength in myself type thing. I can't depend on myself. I'm depending on him. And then another one I have, fasting to kick against culture. So we saw that with Ezra, who was fasting. And when we looked at it, fasting over mourning over the sin of what's going on and the culture that was happening in his world. And I think really for me, this is an important one as we look at kind of our culture and what's going on today in our society in America, that as Christians, why haven't we taken the time to like fast you know, for our nation, for what's going on in and throughout it, and really to kind of kick against the culture that's trying to bring its way into the church. And then fasting, it can, uh, it's about changing yourself into an agreement with God's plans and to be prepared to carry out your role in his plans. 
the note with that I have is fasting is not a way to get God to do what you want, but it, it changes us, not God. So fasting isn't about getting God to do what I want. It's the same thing like going with prayer, right? It's not magical genie, but it's getting me more in line to do what he wants. And then the the most important thing I have for here, and I kind of want to spend uh, whatever time we have left on this idea, is that fasting, the most important thing is it just gets you more of him. It's this desire that I want to spend more time with him. I was thinking about this, and I thought of Jacob when Jacob was wrestling God, right? And he's wrestling with him, and they're wrestling all night, and it starts off, and he says, uh, I want you to bless me. Just bless me, right? And so they're grappling, and then finally... God is like, I'm tired of this, touches his hip, pops it out of socket, and he drops down. And by the end of it, all Jacob says is, I just want to see your face. I just want to know you more. I don't want the stuff anymore. I don't want the blessing. If that comes, that's cool. I just want to see your face. And I think to me, that's the important part of fasting and what we can lose. And when Jesus talks about this reward, right, the people who did it for show, they got the reward. That's it. They're just done. But for you guys, that reward for us who do it the way it's supposed to be done, the reward is more of him. Yeah, kind of looking at that with Jacob, right? So his name's Jacob, mm-hmm. and then he has that experience, and God names him Israel, Israel, which means wrestles with God. And God's people come from Jacob, now Israel, and they become the Israelites, right? So it's a people who wrestle with God, who go and contend with God to get more of him, to get his blessing, to have that interaction to do, and to really engage with God in those ways that would then result in what you're saying, just more of his presence, which that's where you get into having the tabernacle and having the temple that it's all about God's presence with. And then you get into Jesus actually becoming incarnate and it's God now walking with man amongst men, right? So it's just all of those things about having God's presence with you, which then the ultimate blessing of God pouring out his spirit on mankind, that his spirit is now within you, the ultimate presence that you are the temple of God and he's with you in the inner, innermost ways of life. And I think that when we fast, it, as you're saying, we take our eyes off of the world and then we go to that secret place and we meet with him and we find him there. He's always there. But in the act of fasting, we enter into his presence mm-hmm. more. You know, we're choosing to put away the things of the world and to enter into God's presence and to see what's in store for us there. Going back to that example that I gave about, hey, these these types can only be cast out with prayer and fasting. We see that it was actually God's will to cast out that demon, to heal that boy. But that it was his disciples, because of a lack of the presence of the Spirit, weren't able to. Hmm. So I think that as Christians, we should look at that, that just because we're going about, maybe we're praying for something, we're trying to see something happen, and we're like, well, I don't know, I guess it's not God's will. Like, here's an example of something completely different. That the disciples, when they were relying more on their own strength or outside of the power of the Spirit, they just weren't able. But when that boy gets brought to Jesus, he's more than willing. But then Jesus says, hey, you guys are actually able to do this through prayer and fasting. And again, that, that faith like a mustard seed, and in, like it's done through faith. So to bring those things together in our life that God has so much in store for us, that through an increase in faith and prayer and fasting... And again, those things are actually, we're told to do in secret, right? When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Go into your closet and your father sees what's done in secret. When you fast, don't go out and like the hypocrites, but do it in secret and your father sees. So it's really about God seeing those secret habits of our life to where we enter into his presence and then we get to see him move. It's really big. And coming back to the fact that you're saying, yeah, a lot of us don't fast and you know, Mm -hmm. there's that thing. And why don't we? Uh, I don't know. Why don't we? While you were talking, a thought came into my head of Moses, because we brought him up, right? Fasting. Mm -hmm. 
And when he came down after his fasting, uh, his, the Bible says his face was radiant, like he had to cover it, right? So he had so much of God's presence. And even in, in, in Moses himself, as he's up there, the one thing he asks is, God, I just want to see you. I just want more of you. And I think John Piper puts it the best way. He says, do you have a hunger for God? If we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world, our soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for great. If we are full of the table of the, what the world offers, then perhaps a fast might express or even increase our soul's appetite for God. Between the dangers of self-denial and self-indulgence is the path of pleasant pain called fasting. And in there, it's just it really expresses what fasting is, right? Maybe we're not doing it because we don't have a hunger for God anymore. We're not really seeking Him the way we should. We're not. And I, I love that you tied Israel's name to the children of Israel. That the wrestling with God wasn't a wrestling against God. It was a wrestling to know more of God. I'm not letting go of you. Yes. I'm not. I'm going to hold on until I can't anymore. And maybe that's where we're at in society is that we've been nibbling so much of the world. And we as Christians, and this is a huge gut check for me myself personally, that we've been nibbling so much on what the world has to offer that I'm just stuffed with these small things that I've think I'm satisfied with, but I'm really not. And in order to do that, maybe it is a time that to fast, to, to step aside and to fill myself with more of God. So that way, that hunger for him is there. Yeah. And on that point, right, that kind of, as you're saying that I, I went back a little bit to just the Sermon on the Mount where, where Jesus starts with, because you, you said that we're nibbling on these things of the world and getting filled with that but Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, mm -hmm. for they will be filled. Which then goes back to what we we're talking about in Zechariah and Isaiah, that God is looking for us to be hungry for righteousness, right? Yeah. That, hey, go out and do the right things and seek that and you'll be filled. You know, rather than being hungry for these things of the world, right? That our God is our belly type of thing, that what our desires and, you know, the things that look good to us that we can fill ourselves with. And you're talking about seeing God. And then another one of the Beatitudes is blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Mm -hmm. And God is an all-consuming fire that purifies and coming into his presence through fasting and through prayer purifies you, especially when you're putting away the things of the world. So it's as you are purified and you're coming, you will see God, like, you know, in your life. Just the way that you were talking, I was like, hey, this sounds familiar. We've right. been talking about this. I was like, that's what Jesus was talking about and all of it. Yeah. It's cool, too. The, I really like that, the tying it in. The This is where he started, uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and it's basically throwing it out there, out the gate. You have to hunger for this. You've got to want more of this. It can't be about reputation. It can't be about what people say. It has to go beyond the public praise. It has to be beyond saying you just did something. Uh, fasting has to, the people who fast that way, they got their praise. They did it already. That's all they have. What he's saying is not for you. It's about wanting more of me. It's beyond wanting the praise of people. It's about wanting just a relationship with me. Right. And I think on this point, this was a realization that I had a while ago, and you just brought it back to my mind, is that when we're, I think that this might help for anybody who's listening, because it really helped me, is that when we're talking about this wanting of God, that one of the things when I first fasted that God showed me is that when I was fasting, and man, I really got hungry, and I really wanted to eat, and I really, really wanted that meal, and my desire for that meal, and then not being able to have that, and just knowing that I couldn't have that, but I really, really wanted it, you know, 
And God said, have you ever felt that way for me? Mm-hmm. That the way that you desire to just get food for your body, have you had that desire for me in your life? Do you know what that looks like? That you just can't wait to come into my presence, to interact with me, to see me in your life. Have you ever felt that way? Because that's what it means to be hungry for him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And man, at that point, I was just like, honestly, no. Because I knew what it was to just have the church and general Christian experience of just like, you know, whatever, you know, kind of comes your way and however you interact. But that real hunger that God showed me through my physical hunger, what that means. And yeah, that was really a check several years back to, okay, do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do I, do I really seek God in that way? It made me think right now when you're saying that uh, wanting more of God through fasting is, is something that I should be doing. Is that just too much work for me and that's why I don't? And then it made me check my maturity level, right? I guess when you started off and you talked about how you did this at the beginning of your Christian life, like you just kind of jumped into it. But as we grown and as we allow things to kind of come into our life, right, that progression kind of maybe stops. And with fasting, it has to be something that I think a mature Christian wants this because they just want more of God. And as you grow deeper and deeper, you do it because you're not looking for anything else other than more of God. And that more of God can be an answer in a situation. Like that's more of God doing something in your life. The more of God can be just focusing on him. The more of God can be kicking against culture. All the things I had talked about, changing yourself, that's more of God in you going through you. So it, it could be just, well, that's just too much work. You know, and we do that in our relationship sometimes, right, with, with spouses or friends, that to go that extra mile to know them, we have to invest our time and efforts to do that. But sometimes those relationships stop because why? That's just too much work, the payoff. It just doesn't seem worth it to me. But here Jesus is clearly telling us there is a payoff. It is a great payoff. But you just Your have to do it. father will reward you. Yes. It's like, what's better than a reward from the father? Right? D.L. Moody said, if you say I will fast when God lays it on my heart, you never will. You're too cold and indifferent to take the yoke upon you. Yeah. So on that point, right? If Mm -hmm. it's just, if you're just relying for the one God puts on my heart, one, the great commission that Jesus gives his disciples, the apostles to go out is to teach them to obey all things that I've commanded you, right? And that's supposed to be a chain reaction that you learn all things and then you teach those things. So it really comes into this thing of obedience to the commands. It's not just about, oh, when when God lays it on my heart, it's like, no, that's why we actually have the written word that you can go in and learn these things. And in Luke 5, 33 through 38, some people actually came to Jesus and said, hey, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so did the disciples of the Pharisees. So talking about John the Baptist who preceded Jesus. So a lot of people were following him. Then Jesus came on the scene and John said, hey, here's the guy that you should follow. But then we also have the Pharisees. So you have the, you know, both of these spiritual camps and their disciples fasting. It says yours eat and drink. So they're noticing, hey, how come, how come yours don't fast? It was a, a weird thing to them in Jesus' day. And Jesus goes on and talks about, hey, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? There will come a day when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast in those days. So right now Jesus isn't walking the earth. And he says, they will fast when I'm not walking this earth. Then he told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, it will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. No one puts new wine in old wineskins. For if he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new for he says the old is good. 
So parable status, he's basically saying, I'm doing a new thing here. I kind of need to let them be experienced in me, and then they'll be able to understand the purpose of putting the fasting in place, which then taking that to cool Jesus saying, while I'm here, they're not fasting. But we have this document that was found. It's a first century document called the Didache. It just means the teaching of the 12. So it's looking at the teaching of the 12 apostles. And it talks about in chapter eight of this document, fasting and the Lord's prayer, which is kind of funny because last two weeks we did the Lord's prayer. Then this week we're doing fasting. And in this, it's funny because it brings up hypocrites as well. It all comes together. It says, let not your fast be with the hypocrites, for they fast on the second and fifth day of the week. Rather, fast on the fourth and the preparation day, which would be Friday. Do not pray like the hypocrites, but rather as the Lord commanded in his gospel like this, and goes on to give the Lord's prayer. So again, here's this early first century document, which is when the New Testament comes from, that's the teaching of the twelve, and they are teaching people to fast twice a week. So again, why aren't we? I think that the teaching never got passed along. And then you live in a society where nobody practices the teaching and they're not teaching the teaching. So I really think that we're at a point in time to where, okay, well, we just read this and whoever's listening to this is listening to this. There is a command on your life from your savior and Lord to fast. You're responsible to be obedient now. Put it into practice. Right. Do that. Like, there's, <laughs> how are you going to excuse yourself? You know, when you were talking about the, the story, why don't your disciples fast? After studying this and kind of looking into fasting in a little deeper, probably the the, mo the most I've ever looked into fasting was preparing for this in the entirety of my Christian life, which says a lot, again, about the state of where uh, I need to grow and in some area in my life. But when they were saying, like, well, John's disciples fast and we fast, why don't yours fast? They got him. That's why they don't fast at this moment, right? They have all of him right. in there. His presence is always with them. The reason we fast is to have more of him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they've got all me, but I'm going to be gone. And then they're going to do it to get experience that fullness that they had with me again. And I just want to point out on that twice a week, because you were talking about don't just do things out of an empty habit yeah. and do that. But they were actually coming from a point of, hey, you are coming into his presence and you want that to be so regular that that's why you're doing it twice a week. So you're like, here's the days that we do that on. And like the understanding was, you know why you're doing this, but here's how often you're doing mm. this. Yeah, uh, I think that's all I got. I have one more thing, but I think it doesn't really fit into what we're talking about anymore. So I'll scrap it, but. I've got one last thing then if you're not going to do that. Yeah. Again, when it comes to fasting, I think that it's a it's a shame on us as proclaimed followers of Jesus that we are not following as closely as we should be, given that, I mean, I could just start putting things on blast like, hey, how many podcasts do you listen to? How many things on Netflix have you watched or Disney Plus or Hulu? How much time have you spent doing whatever your favorite hobby is? When have you picked up the Bible and read these words and then decided that, like Jesus said... Don't just be hearers of my word, but do them. Because throughout looking at fasting and then even meditation, because the word says meditate, right? On those two things, I found that the Christian world to be severely anemic in understanding and practice of those things. But you know what was interesting? I went to a, I might have brought this up on the show before, but a 10-day meditation retreat out in Joshua Tree, out in the desert, put on by Buddhists. And you know what they did? It was 10 days. You give up your technology. You do the thing. You take a vow of silence. You fast. And you meditate. I was like, why is it that I have to go and learn these things from like another belief system? And they understand it differently. So I'm not saying go and learn it from, from Buddhists. Like, but to be able to put into practice fasting and meditation and actually find a people who, hey, that's part of their belief system. And they actually do it. We should be people who actually do it. And 
I guess for me, what I kind of had to experience is just because there's nobody there to teach you, take God on as your teacher. Don't say, well, my pastor never told me about it or my ministry leader never told me about it. Jesus told you about it. So even if you're doing it imperfectly and you got to learn along the way, it's like go in faith, be obedient in faith and get that reward from the father because he's looking to reward. He's looking for obedience. He's looking for us to be blessed in those ways and to become more Christ-like. So I don't know, for me, just coming out of this thing, there's so much benefit to it that I've experienced. I mean, trying to be as regular as possible with fasting and to have that part of it that and I know that I've gone through a struggle to get to that point that like there's really no excuse I'm not trying to be hard about it but it's just like look guys that's what it is I think too when you brought that all up the the one thing I thought of like we don't fast and we're not doing it as Christians and it is something that we don't do we could talk about all the other disciplines and the things we're supposed to follow right like reading my bible I could do that like that seems pretty simple I just read and look at words I could pray. That's just me talking. So that's easier, right? I could come to church and worship. I could give my money. I could give my tithe. Wait, I have to sacrifice something like food in order to get closer to God. That's a lot of work. And I think we get caught up in that that notion that this is to give up food, to give up that thing that sustains my body. And then to say, this is what I, this is like uh, fasting to me is complete trust, right? Because I'm giving up what sustains my body to have more of you that's going to sustain my soul, which is far more important, but also trusting that you will sustain my body as I'm giving it up to you all for the reward of wanting more of you. And you could, during your fasting time, you can take certain things to him. We saw that people took certain petitions to him. That's all fine. But the ultimate goal was for more of him. So that's the line I draw on wanting more of God is I can't deprive myself of something that I like more than him or something that I think sustains me when reality is he's all we need and he's all that should sustain us. So I think the good challenge I think we could end with is for anyone who's listening, fast. Go out and do it. You don't have to do 24 hours. Do sun up to sundown. You could do 12 hours. You could do a meal. You could do something. But at some point, give up that time and that meal for God Actually pray and seek him. Don't try to distract yourself with other things or fill that time with something else because the, the walls will crumble. You'll, you'll fall on that one. But actually do it. And because it's here written, you'll get a reward. I, I can firmly say I guarantee you'll see God do something in your life when you work in that way. For me, it was a personal challenge. I'm actually going to take it up. And uh, we've, <laughs> we were joking before we started talking that as a church, we're going through Elijah and fasting for 40 days, I actually preached on one of those messages and I really haven't done the fasting thing like we were supposed to. Like I told Murdoch, yeah, I stopped eating. Like I don't eat from breakfast to dinner or something like that, but I wasn't really fasting with the intention of doing it. But this has challenged me. It really has. And uh, I'm going to definitely be picking this up to do not because of the reward on earth, but just because I want to know God more. And all this being said, I mean, we do have our Facebook group that if you have Facebook, join into the group. Because if you're wanting more information about that, you can contact me and Chris and we can get in and, you know, really talk about it. And if you've got questions, or you're trying to understand the thing more. Uh, let's get a discussion going. You can, you know, do private message or whatever that thing is. Um, we are available. Yes, we are. Yeah. All right. So I think that will wrap up this show. Went a little bit longer than I thought it would. But uh, for your church friends, I'm Chris. <laughs> and I'm Murdoch. And I totally botched this ending, but we'll talk to you guys next time. Is your spirit poor because of your damaged hair? Are you mourning because of your split ends? Are you being persecuted because of your dry locks? 
Then rejoice and be glad and get ready to inherit the earth because comfort has come for your meek mane. The Bee Attitudes Beauty product line proudly introduces the Peacemaker Shampoo and Conditioner. Your frizzies will thirst and hunger no longer as the patent secret pure of heart formula inside will bring your roots and ends to peace. So show mercy to your curls and buy the Peacemaker Shampoo and Conditioner at all big box retailers. Don't trust us? Then hear this amazing testimonial. My hair feels great. Awesome testimonial. The kingdom of Hairven can be yours with the Peacemaker Shampoo and Conditioner. Peacemaker isn't actually sold in stores or FDA approved. Do not use Peacemaker Shampoo and Conditioner if you are pregnant, nursing, have back pain, have a heart condition, enjoy having all your fingers or alive. Peacemaker has been known to cause hair loss, change of color to existing hair, skin irritation, dandruff, fingernail loss, growth of an extra toe, weight gain, and cat scratch fever.